Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Disky Discussions. I'm your host, A.B. Basson. International editor at Sokola Duma, David Kappel, is one of a handful of Bayer Leverkusen supporters in South Africa. While he's excelled in his craft, David's journey to where he finds himself today is as inspiring as much as it is unique. From how the 2010 FIFA World Cup assisted him in meeting his wife, to refereeing amateur matches for 30 Rand a game, later playing a part in Bundesliga's return to our TV screens. This is a podcast you don't want to miss. Well, David, thanks for joining me um, on what was very short notice. Um, I appreciate your time. For those who don't know, um, you're this international sports editor, international editor at Sokola Duma. Um, you've been there for quite some time. Your story of how you came to South Africa is is very unique. Um, but let me not spoil it for our listeners. Uh, maybe you can tell us all about it. Yeah, thanks, Abby. Thanks for having me, you know, on your show. Um, yeah, as you say, my, my story, um, I don't think a lot of people know, you know, um, I actually came from sort of a wrong choice of studies uh, in Germany. Um, I studied a subject called regional sciences and I eventually finished it with a bachelor's degree, um, mixture of geography and business. But uh, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, in the end, you know, it was just, you know, to get it finished, to, to get it over the line, to have the degree in my bag. But uh, I didn't, I still didn't know what to do afterwards because it didn't go enough into detail in either of the two fields, you know, to, to be an expert, to find a proper job. Hmm. But luckily, as part of the studies, um, I needed to do an internship, you know, as, as one of the requirements to finish it. And I found this NGO called Stars of Tomorrow. And um, Stars of Tomorrow were using uh, HIV AIDS education, uh, no, sorry, we're using football for HIV AIDS education um, uh, in projects in South Africa. Mm. And um, that was around 2009 and, you know, just before the 2010 World Cup. So we were trying to build a bridge between the 2006 World Cup in Germany to the 2010 World Cup in South Africa to get funding from companies in Germany, you know, to, for the project in South Africa. And um, luckily that was quite successful. We got a 2 million rand um, fund from, from a big organization in Germany for the project. And then um, 2010 came around and I had never been in the project, you know, I, in South Africa, I'd been working from Germany. I've been, I've seen pictures and videos and stuff. Um, but then they invited us to actually come to South Africa um, for the World Cup. And it was quite a ride, you know, we were here for 10 days, my boss and I. Uh, we started off in the project, you know, me um, coming to Africa for the first time, um, um, not knowing much about the culture and, and so on. You know, just uh, by the time, you know, young guy didn't really know what to do, but, you know, just enjoying the experience. Um, so we went to, we started off in Johannesburg, we went to Pretoria, we went out in the township, you know, dancing in the night with some guys from the projects. Mm. Um, we went to Cape Town, uh, where we bought tickets for the France Eurovac game on the opening day. Uh, we bought them on Table Mountain, you know, so it was really an interesting time. Um, we went, uh, we watched the South Africa-Mexico game. We wanted to watch it on the FEMA, but the FEMA was full. 
so we went into some bar and when South Africa scored, you know, I was, I, I, there weren't any shares where I could sit on. So I was sitting on a table. So I jumped when South Africa scored and I broke the table. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's, it was quite a, a funny time. Eventually we went to Durban um, to watch the Germany Australia game, which was a nice win. Um, we went out that night and that's where I met my now wife, you know, and she's basically the reason why I came back uh, to South Africa a year later uh, and why I'm still here. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually an incredible story. I've never heard that before. Um, incredible story. Uh, you talk about Shaba's goal. And I think for all South Africans, it was an iconic moment. Um, from an outsider, you know, obviously a big German fan and German supporter. For Germany, it ended up being a, a disappointing World Cup, uh, knocked out in the semifinals versus Spain. I remember that Piol header quite vividly. I think it was at Moses Mabila Stadium. Um, obviously, you know, like I've mentioned, uh, a big German fan. Um, how did that go down and how disappointing was it, especially after, you know, what happened four years prior back in Germany? Yeah, I also remember, you know, that header very well because it, it <laughs> broke my heart, you know. Um, by that time, funny enough, I was back in South Africa. Um, you know, I was here the first 10 days and then I had to go back to Germany. But um, because I had met, you know, this girl and I was sort of, you know, on on that World Cup fever and, and everything, I sort of decided, okay, I have to come back and see whether it was, you know, just a, a one, once-off thing or something more serious. So I was back at that time um, of the semi-final and I had watched it in a, in a like a local Shabin with, uh, again, some people from the projects up in Pretoria. Um, but yeah. I was basically the only one that was like German and um, everyone else wasn't really too interested in the game or in the outcome of the game. And I was, I was shattered, you know, because I felt um, this Germany team in, in 2010 played, you know, phenomenal football. You know, when you look at the games against England, against Argentina, you know, there was the new exciting football that Germany were playing and I, I feel um, they almost deserved you know to win the 2014 World Cup no the 2010 World Cup more than you know the 2014 one which they eventually won um, so yeah I thought that you know it was an interest, very still very interesting time and, and very nice memories for myself yeah most definitely um, you you joined Sokla Duma's um in, I think it was December 2013. So you've been there now quite some time. How did that come about? And how's the journey been thus far? Um, you know, as other things in my life, it sort of came unexpected. Um, at the time, I so eventually in 2011, I came to South Africa to sort of settle here. Um, I was working for our project uh, for South of Tomorrow. Um, the NGO that I mentioned earlier, but uh, I was working at the University of Stellenbosch where we tried to build a partnership and go into the townships, you know, of Stellenbosch and surroundings. Um, 
where I was, you know, trying to educate young teenagers to become like uh, leaders in their community and use sport as a tool for HIV AIDS education. But uh, sadly, you know, as many things in South Africa, there was some um, issues behind the scenes and some fraud involved, which not with my project, but, you know, where I was based at, at the university. And then uh, everything was shut down. And I basically lost my job while, uh, you know, having packed my bags from Germany and, and, and living here in South Africa. So um, there were a few uncertain times. Um, I was doing like two part-time jobs. I was doing, uh, working as a referee for 30 rand a game, you know, um, so it was was tough time. I, I won't lie. And at the same time, my wife and I, my now wife and I, were expecting our first uh, child um, born in January 2014. So I was under pressure, you know, to to get something stable, to to build our family. So I saw this. Uh, I started following a lot of people um, in South Africa, you know, football people in South Africa, because uh, I've, I've been. A football fanatic since I grew up. You know, I played in Germany myself in the fifth division, which is sort of semi-professional, but enough to pay your rent and your study fees. Um, and I wanted to get involved in the South African football industry, but I didn't know how. So I just followed everyone that was talking football on Twitter. And I saw this uh, sort of job advert from soccer Clint, you know, Clint Roper. Um, and I didn't really match what they were looking for, but I thought, okay, let me just, you know, apply and see where it takes me. And then I got invited for an interview um, and they pretty soon found out that I'm actually not really suitable for that role, but because they were impressed with me and my football knowledge, my um, specifically international football knowledge, you know, I, I I remember I prepared for the interview trying to, you know, at least, uh, um, remember some of the Bafana Bafana players, you know, some of the names because I didn't have a clue about having football at all at the time. Yeah. Um, um, but I managed to, you know, browse past the one or two local questions they asked me, but um, it was clear that, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more suited for international football. And I think by the time someone was leaving Sokoladuma that was doing the international football and uh, then they basically gave me a, me a chance and it has been uh, an incredible journey since um, you know, I started as the sole writer for the international section. And um, I think in the first year or in the year before I came, international news on Sokola Duma had around 35 to 40 million pages in a year, you know, and then within the first three years, um, we managed to get it to 140 million page views. Sure. Um, so that's, that's obviously a massive, massive increase yeah um and we could see you know we we tapped into something that a lot of south african um and football lovers you know were interested in and um you know seven years down the line i had my seven year work anniversary just last week um i'm i'm basically now the international editor of sokoladuma and i have two uh three writers um, below me and uh, and the sub editor and uh, yeah it's been been going really well obviously this year has also been challenging for us um, you know with COVID and working from home and, and all those things but uh, we we keep on pushing yeah most definitely um, I mean 
obviously, obviously I worked Sokol Duma for, for, I think, 15 months. And, you know, I got to see some of your work. And during that time, you, you've interviewed, during the past seven years, you've interviewed some really prominent names in, in world football. Um, if I could just think off the top of my head, Luis Figo, Patrick Kluivert, um, Lothar Matthias. Which one really stands out for you? And, you know, if, if you had to choose one um, to do again, which one would you choose? Um, I'd say there's two that stand out for me. The one I still have as a pinned tweet on my Twitter profile is Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang mm. when he was still at Borussia Dortmund. You know, it was for, I can't remember which edition, I think it was our thousands edition for Sokola Duma. And um, someone was saying, you know, we need we need big names for that edition. And then um, no one at, at Sokola Duma had, had, you know, interviewed someone like, like a, the current top player from a from a top five league. You know, we, we often get chances to interview like your Kloybert, like you said, uh, your Mateus, you know, legends that come, you know, when the Bundesliga or La Liga come to South Africa for certain events, you know, then we get access to to the legends. But this one, you know, I organized myself um, you know, from finding out the the media person at Dortmund to explaining what I want to do to sending the uh, interview in German and in English. And uh, yeah, eventually it worked out, you know, and it was just before he left the season before he left, you know, to, to join Arsenal when he was at his peak at Dortmund. Yeah. Um, so, so I was really, really proud of that. And then the other one is um, Lothar Matthäus because obviously I'm from Germany. He's the, captain of the team that won the 1990 World Cup. You know, he's a big, big legend in Germany, the player with the most uh, games for the national team. Um, so I, I got to meet him in person, actually, in Germany um, for the first interview. And, and uh, right now, you know, he is basically a, a, among my contacts. And, and if I, you know, want to comment from him, like, uh, I don't know if you've seen, we did a tribute for Diego Maradona and he has played obviously against him. Yeah. You know, and he, he just, uh, you know, he's a very, very um, open and kind guy. So, um, um, like, unlike a lot of um, other people that, uh, you know, that don't respond when you ask for an interview or, or, you know, that uh, don't even say, you know, no, I'm not available. You know, they just don't, don't answer your message you know even if he doesn't have time he will always at least let you know so um yeah those are the two two big big ones um, that yeah, i'm proud of yeah that's great to hear and great to hear from you know from one of the real legends of the game um obviously we've got bundesliga football showing on our tvs again on sabc and soccer duma has a partnership with with the bundesliga um, i'm led to believe that you had some part to play in that yeah, I think uh, I don't. I don't think a lot of people know, um, but I think it was uh, f- around four years ago. Um, Peter Detroit, you know, the chief of Sokola Duma, who's, who's soon leaving us, sadly, um, he is a he has a friend that is a friend of the CEO of Bundesliga International, and then he got invited, you know, to a media trip, but he couldn't go on it, so he sent me. But he said, you know, don't just go there, you know, to take nice pictures and, and use it as a holiday. And so, you know, go there with the intention to build a partnership. Um, 
and yeah, that's that's what I tried to do. Uh, I I prepared you know presentation for the guys in Germany of of what Sogola Duma is all about, and you know this rise in in pages in international interest that I that I spoke about earlier, and they were quite impressed, and they also wanted to you know strengthen their footprint in Africa, South South Africa again because. Um, they were sleeping a little bit, you know, in the in the in the late 90s and the early 2000s, where they lost ground, you know, on in particular the Premier League. And yeah. um, when I came to South Africa, I was surprised, you know, how Premier League focused, like everyone is, you know, um, uh, you know, everyone you speak to has a Premier League team, you know, that they support Manchester United and Liverpool, the big ones in South Africa, Arsenal, Chelsea. Um, you know, I was really surprised how much focus is on the Premier League versus, you know, the other leagues. Um, me growing up watching Bundesliga football, you know, I obviously, that, that's where my first love is. But, you know, La Liga um, with Messi and Ronaldo, there was also a lot of interest, which uh, was actually one of the huge growing factors for, for us at Sokola Duma, you know, that we focused a lot on, on Messi and Ronaldo. Um, but yeah, so after um, after I presented um, what Sokolai Guduma is about, um, they they were keen on on forming a partnership, and we've we've done we've started that I think four four years ago. So the guys from Bundesliga wanted to get on SATVs more. Um, they were on Starsat, uh, which is a prepaid service, but uh, I think not a lot of people actually have it in South Africa or know about it in South Africa. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of their marketing. Um, so um, they obviously also asked our opinion. I said, you know, if you want to reach the masses in South Africa, you have to go on SABC, you know. Um, seemingly, they couldn't go on to uh, Supersport because uh, of their rights cycle, um, um, where they had sold, you know, rights not just to South Africa, but Southern Africa, and uh, they're doing a lot better, uh, the Bundesliga, in countries like Ghana and Nigeria, where there's a seemingly a lot more interest uh, than in South Africa. But um, South Africa also has quite a strong Bundesliga following, you know, and, and, and that's why... And I think that's what we see now, you know, where they're back on SABC3. I'm happy, you know, that they're back and I'm happy you know, they have played a, a small role, you know, in them coming back on South African screens. So now I can also watch them. I remember I was uh, at the meeting, I don't know, two, three years ago with them at the SABC, you know, offices and so on. So, yeah, it's been, you know, it's 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 a little... It's also something that, that, that makes me proud, you know, um, that um, I'm from Germany and the, the German Bundesliga is back in South African screen, you know. We also told them, you know, in, in South Africa, if you want to reach the masses, you know, you, you also need to look at influencers. And they started working with Robert Marava. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's nice to see, you know, that they're actually listening and taking some of the advice on, on board. Yeah, you talk about the Bundesliga and the... The, the global footprint, um, I mean, that's the way all leagues seem to go. I mean, La Liga's got a presence in South Africa and, and the Premier League seems to have always had a, a big presence in South Africa. What can what can the South African League learn from, you know, the way the, the Bundesliga market themselves? Oh, that's a, that's a tough question. Uh, I think, um, you know... Um, you definitely have to look at your own market first. You know, you have to market yourself in your in your own country, 
Um, and I think uh, for South Africa and other African leagues, it's not so much about, you know, going into other countries, um, like for these uh, big European leagues. Um, although it would be nice, you know, to have the South African league on TV in Germany, but I think uh, that side, there's just so much football, you know, that um, it will be difficult to to compete for South African football with the Bundesliga or with the Premier League because also, because also there's a, you know, a huge difference in the quality in my very humble opinion. And I know some people might like it, um, but with me, you know, growing up watching Bundesliga and, and these days um, watching Premier League regularly on TV, you know, and then when you switch to, you know, a, a PSL game, it's just, uh, there's still a huge gap in quality for my, you know, um, that I'm seeing. And uh, I think also a lot of other people are seeing. And, 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 and that's also where I think the PSL needs to, to work, you know, Germany. Um, had a similar problem where they weren't doing well on international level uh, around 2000 at the uh, Euro 2002 and then you know they implemented their famous academy program where it's now sort of um, um, a must for every Bundesliga 1 and Bundesliga 2 club to have an academy you know and that's that's where you see them reaping the re uh, rewards you know since the last few years you know that um, 20 14 World Cup winning generation, you know, um, had the likes of Özil, the likes of uh, Schweinsteiger um, and a couple of others, you know, came all through the academies. And uh, I think that's something that uh, South African football, PSL clubs, you know, need to look a lot more at, you know, the, the it can't just be, you know, the focus on the first team and, and, and not so much on the youth, you know. And when I say youth, you know, it can't be from a, from age of 15 or so. You need to start very young. You need to, you know, put the foundations in place for, for the players to become professionals. And, you know, to you need to start with simple things, you know, learn how to pass, how to create space, you know, and, and those type of things. Uh, so there's still a lot of things, I think, that uh, the South African League, but also South African football in general can can learn, you know, without losing the flair and everything that makes South African football exciting. Because that's that's not that's not what I'm saying. Um, but you know, if you have the flair play players and if you have the kids that learn football in the streets, you know, if you get them earlier into a proper structure, you know, into a proper coaching, um, that's another topic. By the way, you know the the qualification of the coaches. I think that's also where South Africa still has to improve a lot. You know, if you can get these things right, then uh, the future can only be a lot brighter for South African football. Yeah, most definitely. Obviously, you you're very well acquainted to the Bundesliga, and you're a big Bayer Leverkusen fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, over the years, there's not been a lot of South Africans that have played in the Bundesliga. Just off the top of my head, you think of guys like Delron Buckley and Steven Pinar at Borussia Dortmund. Um, you know, which are the best South Africans would you say that that you can remember uh, that played in the Bundesliga, or or maybe I should say best Africans? You know, if you think of guys like JJ Okocha who made a, a big impact. I mean, JJ. I mean, he's he's basically incomparable. You know, he was in his prime when I was sort of in my teens. You know, um, watching. Bundesliga football every week, you know, what he did at, at Eintracht Frankfurt at the time. And uh, obviously, if you think of JJ, you think of his goal against Oliver Kahn. No yeah. way. He basically runs past the whole defense and then has Oliver Kahn on the floor once, twice, and then and, and scores, you know. Um, 
So uh, he, you know, he's one of the big African legends of Bundesliga. Also, JJ Yabo, you know, before, nay, not JJ, sorry, Antonio Yabo, you know, before he went to the Premier League, he also was great in the Bundesliga, you know, very, very strong yeah. striker. Um, but if I think of South Africa, um, obviously Pina comes to mind. Um, but for me, I think the most successful one has to be Darren Buckley. You know, uh, I just uh, wrote an article about him the other day where, you know, it was his birthday this week, actually. And uh, yep. we just recalled when he scored a brace against Bayern, you know, with, uh, with uh, Arminia Bielefeld at the time. Um, you know, um, that was his best season in the Bundesliga. He scored 15 goals. Um, but overall, he's made, um, you know, over um, 200 appearances in the Bundesliga. I don't think any other player from South Africa comes close, you know. And, and when, you, when you talk to him and when you hear... You know what he had to go through because um, he went there at a young age. There was this cultural difference, uh, you know, and uh, and he made it. You know, so um, yeah, I have I remember him. I remember seeing him playing. You know, when I was still in in Germany, and I was quite happy. You know how sort of his part developed. How he, he eventually went to Borussia Dortmund. You know, a bigger club in Germany, and um, you know it's also those things that make me proud. You know, nowadays that. Uh, through my job, I have the opportunity to speak to some of my childhood heroes. You know, I had the opportunity uh, to speak to JJ Okocha, you know, when, when he came to South Africa for the Bundesliga Fest, I think it was two years ago, um, I had the opportunity to travel around with him. You know, um, we visited Mamelodi Sundowns. Um, we went out for supper, you know, if, if you know, that's, that's one of the, the perks that come, you know, with the job, you know, when I was young, I saw JJ coach on TV and uh, I decided not to go into football journalism in, in Germany, but somehow in the back of my mind, I always thought, wow, that's actually quite a cool subject and would be nice to, you know, one day write about football because that's, that's what I love. So, um, you know, that it, that it came this way, uh, maybe not straightforward maybe you know via a few corners and jumping over a few stones you know it's something that, that i think uh, i can be proud of yeah most definitely uh the fifa best um men's player 2020 the three finalists have been announced um for the fifa football awards this year cristiano ronaldo lionel messi and then uh, robert Lewandowski. Do you think this is finally the year where obviously we had Luka Modric who pipped the two greats to the Ballon d'Or, um, what was it now, two years ago? But do you think yeah. Robert, Robert is the um, deserving winner? I mean, it's just incredible his scoring rate for, for Bayern Munich. He has to. I, if he doesn't win it this year, you know, then uh, he, will, he will never win it in his lifetime. You know, if you just look at that Bayern Munich team and the role he played, you know, um, they won the treble and they added another two trophies this year. Um, he scored something like, I think it was 55 goals in, in 47 games uh, in all competitions last season. He's the first player that, uh, that won the golden boot in the three main competitions as in Bundesliga, DFB Pokal, slash domestic cup and Champions League and also won the competition. Ronaldo, that's something, you know, Ronaldo Messi never achieved. So uh, he is the clear favorite this year. But in saying that, I also know how the FIFA award works. You know, um, um, 
there's four voting panels. Um, one is the coaches and captains of the national teams. One is the journalists. Uh, and another one is the fans. Um, so, you know, the, the fans um, worldwide, as much as they appreciate, I think, Robert Lewandowski, there's still a lot of fans of Messi and Ronaldo in there. So, and you know how it is with fan bias. You know, they can yeah. see Lewandowski having this outstanding season, but they will still vote for Ronaldo just because they want Ronaldo or Messi to win another of these prizes. So, um, in the end, it, it, it might be closer than we think, but I think he has to, he has to win it this year. Yeah, I think that fan voting poll is definitely not one of my favorites. If we can just look closer to home with when Oscarine Masaluke was nominated for the Puskas Award, but yeah. didn't win the goal of the season, which is almost incredible if you think about it. Just to close he, off. He should have. Yeah. Sorry. Go he ahead. should have even won the Puskas Award. I know you are Arsenal fan and, and Giroud won it for, for a scorpion kick. <laughs> but I think also, I mean, uh, that was that was rigged by Arsenal fans, you know. Yeah, when most have you ever heard of a goalkeeper scoring a goal in the last minute with a bicycle kick? I mean, that's something <laughs> we'll, we'll never we'll never hear or see again, you know. So how he didn't win that year is just still beyond me. Yeah, def- most definitely. I can't even argue with that, David. Just to to close off, um, if there's a a list of of players you'd still like to a bucket list, so to speak, players you'd like to interview still in your career, um, who's top of that list? You can name a few players if you want, um, and maybe just give us a small reason why. Um, you know, obviously with Messi and Ronaldo dominating the headlines so much, um, I would really love to speak to either of the two. I don't know if, if I can achieve that in my lifetime because it's so difficult to, to get to them. It's, I mean, we've tried to contact Barcelona and Real when Ronaldo was still there, but, uh, you know, their, their interview schedules are so full. Um, that, uh, and we, we from South Africa, I mean, we are the biggest football publication in Africa, but we're still uh, a lot further away um, from from those guys from European football then uh, you know your big publications in in Europe so it's always going to be a challenge um, personally um, I'd like to speak to M- Michael Balak um, you know one of my Leverkusen heroes mm. um, because uh, you know he was <laughs> he was there in that season when Leverkusen missed out on, on three tro- three trophies you know one of the worst years for me as a as a fan, um, but I just admire him. You know, he was such a classic player. Um, and then there's many many others that I'd like to speak to. You know, because that's always something special. You know, when you can can speak to the players. I mean, it's not your day to day work um, where we do um, stories on on breaking news or on on games and so on. But whenever you know you have the opportunity to. Speak speak to, to a player to, to get their mind, you know, on a game uh, or on pre on their experience, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's what makes the job so, so nice and, you know, so rewarding. Um, you know, you see them on TV uh, or you've grown up and they were your, your childhood heroes. And then now you have the chance to, and to engage with them. And that's, yeah, that's really something that I've, uh, grown to appreciate you know about being a football journalist slash editor yeah well i hope i hope those interviews come in in the very near future david thanks for for sharing your story it's really inspirational and, and fascinating and i wish you all the best in in the future thanks david thanks for having me it's my pleasure cheers
In next week's episode, I'll be joined by another prominent name in South African football as we review the year that was 2020. If you have any questions or things you'd like to discuss on Disky Discussions, please hit me up at AB underscore Basson on Twitter or on Instagram. Stay safe, subscribe, aware.